Welcome to the Unconventional RD Podcast, where we inspire dietitians to think outside of the traditional employment box and create their own unconventional income streams. We'll talk all things online business to help you start, grow, and scale your own digital empire. Hey guys, Erica here, and I'm so stoked to dive into the actual meaty episodes of this podcast. And I wanted to launch with a bang and give you guys at least a couple episodes to binge from the jump. So I figured what better topics to cover in the first few episodes than blog monetization or ways to make money online as a dietitian. And there are six different ways that I really am focused on and like to teach about in my courses and just in my free blog content. And I thought You know, covering six in one episode is quite a lot, so I'm going to split it into two different episodes. So this episode is going to be part one, where I talk about the first three ways, and then the next episode will be part two, where I cover the last three ways to make money blogging. So why am I talking about this? Honestly, because I feel this is a real career option for dietitians, but it's so rarely talked about. Like making money online kind of feels like this secret world that couldn't possibly be legit, right? But it actually is so possible. Um, I don't know if you guys stuck around and listened to the whole episode of my introductory episode where I went through my story, but in 2019, for the first time, after five years of being a dietitian, I surpassed the six-figure mark in my business. So there's still a couple weeks left of 2019 at the time that I'm recording this, but I... I should be hitting, you know, at least 110 or maybe around $115,000 in revenue. So yes, there's expenses in there that I need to subtract out, but still I surpassed the six-figure mark, which was a goal of mine for so, so, so long. Um, And that's all through these passive income sources that I'm going to tell you about in this episode and the next episode. So And it's not just me, there's many dietitians out there that are making a full-time income online without seeing a single client. So I want to spread the message that there is hope out there if one-on-one work doesn't speak to your soul. There's other options. If you're a content creator, get out there and (laughs) create the content for your people. Help them in other ways that feel good to you. Um, And I'm going to show you exactly how that's done. So one of the my favorite ways to build a business and a brand online is through content marketing, which is basically creating content that attracts your ideal client right to you. And my personal favorite way is through blogging. And basically a blog is just any regularly updated website or web page. It's typically run by, this is according to the dictionary definition, run by one individual or a small group written in an informal or conversational style. And to be quite honest, when I bring up the word blogging, um, you know, lots of different things come to mind depending on your experience with the internet. Um, Some people think of a blog as just like a personal diary or maybe where you post little stories of why you ate for dinner last night or your travel adventures. Maybe some people even think of a blog as just like a self-indulgent hobby. Um, But it's really so much more than that. Um, As a business owner, a blog is a space for you to serve your ideal customer 
through the written word. So it's a place for you to answer questions, solve problems for them, provide resources, give examples, and teach and inspire. So a blog is not about you, to be quite honest. A blog is about your readers and your ideal client, and it's a space for you to connect with them and to serve them. And, you know, it's pretty common, like every year people are like, blogging is dead, like social media is everything, but no, blogging isn't going anywhere. Um, The data says otherwise. So over 2 million blog posts are published every single day. Um, In 2015, which is the latest stat I could find, um, 28.3 million people updated a blog at least once a month. Um, And it was estimated that that would grow to 31.7 million people in 2020. And a quarter of all websites on the internet are blogs. And blogs are popular because they work. Um, Business owners blog because it helps them grow their audience and attract customers. It builds a relationship and trust with their people. So businesses with blogs, according to Demand Marketing, get 67% more leads per month. 60% of readers feel positive emotions and connection to a brand after reading custom blog content. And businesses that blog see a 13x ROI year after year. And this is because blogging is a form of inbound marketing. Um, And you're like, okay, what does that mean? Um, Well, that basically means not shouting wildly about your product to the masses, not spending tons of money on TV, radio, or print ads, not door knocking or cold calling, uh, but instead creating amazing content that solves your ideal customer's problems. So when they Google that question or issue, you are what shows up in the search results. So positioning your company and your brand as a helpful and desirable resource for your ideal client. So you're attracting people to you versus forcing your stuff on people. Um, So that's a really, really helpful and important difference. And is blogging worth your time? Does it work? Yes, it costs 62% less and brings in three times more leads to do inbound marketing like blogging than outbound marketing where you're buying ads and things like that. Search engine optimization, SEO, and blogging are the top two focuses of inbound marketing teams worldwide. So blogging essentially brings your ideal customer right to you. And then from there, you can monetize your website. And there's six different ways that I like to focus on. Number one, affiliate sales. And that is where you promote other people's products and then earn a commission when your audience clicks on your special link or uses your special coupon code and uh, you earn a commission on that sale. You can do ad income, so you can put ads on your content and make money when people view those ads or click on them. You can create sponsored content, so you can work directly with brands or through an agency that connects you with brands to create content featuring certain companies' products and get paid for it. You can create your own digital goods like ebooks or meal plans or templates or whatever um, and sell those online. You can create courses that basically teach people something or um, 
bring them an outcome really is what you're, you're really selling. So if you're offering a transformation, like this course will take you from here to here, if you just follow these steps, um, those can be sold usually for higher prices and be a wonderful, wonderful passive income stream. And then the last way is membership sites where you create exclusive content that's only available behind a paywall and people can pay monthly or annually to have access to that content. And oftentimes membership sites have a community aspect to them as well, like an exclusive place where people can connect with each other and you. So there are so many possibilities. And um, to kind of make this more easy to digest and manageable, I'm going to split these up. So in this episode, we're going to talk about affiliate sales, ad income, and sponsored content. And then in the next episode, we're going to talk about digital goods, courses, and membership sites. So all of those things are examples of ways that you can make money through your website as a wellness professional without doing any one-on-one work. So that means you can have location independence. You can work from anywhere because it's all happening through your computer. You can have schedule flexibility because you don't have any appointments with people. You can do this work whenever you can fit it into your day and your lifestyle. You'll have complete autonomy. You don't have to be beholden to anyone, really. It's it's all on you. Um, You're the boss of your own business and online ventures. And you can make really good money just by serving your audience in a new way. Again, these are all scalable income streams. So yes, in the beginning when your audience is still on the small side, you may feel like, oh, I'm doing all this work and the pay is okay. But as you keep going and you stick with it and you learn and you grow and you hone your niche and you build your audience, that same amount of work starts bringing you in exponentially more money. So it can actually grow to be very lucrative if you just stick with it. So today we're going to go over those first three ways, affiliate income, ad revenue, and sponsored content. So avenue number one, passive income stream number one, affiliate income. So affiliate income is money that you make through affiliate marketing. And what is affiliate marketing? Well, it's when you recommend other people's products. So you can make this income stream before you even have a product of your own. I've done, I did this for a long time through the Unconventional RD community and blog. I did not have any products of my own for almost two years, um, but I still made, you know, about $1,000 a month on average from recommending other people's products to my audience. So if you have an audience, you can still monetize by making recommendations before you even have a product of your own. So with affiliate marketing, you recommend other people's products with something that's called an affiliate link. And it's basically a special link that has a little code within the URL and a cookie attached to it, which is basically like a tracking code um, on people's computers that can track who's clicking on it and who is buying. And you will earn a commission if people click and then purchase within a certain time frame. Um, and that could be anywhere from within 24 hours after clicking to, you know, a year or more after clicking. It really depends on, you know, the, the person in charge of setting up the affiliate program or the company decides what that that purchase window is. Um, but then once people buy within that window, you will earn a commission, usually anywhere from 3% on the very low end through something like Amazon Associates to 50% of the sale if you're working with a company directly. 
and then they'll keep track of that there's like a whole usually like an affiliate area on that company's website where you can log in and get your special URL and see all the statistics. So it will track like who's clicked on your links and who's bought. It might not give you any personally identifying information, but it'll say like, oh, you had one sale on this day, two sales on this day. This is how much you've earned in commission. And then they de- they regularly will pay you via direct deposit usually um, on a regular interval, maybe monthly or after you hit a certain income threshold. So how do you become an affiliate for companies? Well, there's many different ways. Um, The easiest one is probably Amazon Associates. So if you have products that you often recommend in your niche and you can buy them on Amazon, you can send people to Amazon to buy your favorite products with special Amazon affiliate links. Um, They have a program called Amazon Associates that you can apply for and get a special link and then start sharing it on your blog. Um, So that's a really popular way. There's a lot to learn about this. So there's some stuff that's very important, like you need to make sure that you're always properly disclosing that you are an affiliate um, and that you're going, you could potentially earn money. Um, from people clicking on the links and there's special language that you have to use. I think it for Amazon, it's as an Amazon associate, I earn from qualifying purchases. Like you have to say that verbatim on your blog and it has to be very obvious and, and um, conspicuous. So it can't be hidden somewhere. It needs to be right in the same area as wherever the link is. Um, and some stuff, some additional um, more detailed stuff like for Amazon in particular, you can't, you can't share their links in any place that's not publicly available online. So you cannot send them via email. You can't embed them in a PDF. Um, It's pretty much just on your website or publicly available social media profiles. So not in a private Facebook group, for example. Um, So they're really strict. And if they catch you breaking the rules, they will shut down your account and not give you your most recent payout. Um, So it is important to follow their rules. And you can read all of them. On their website or if you don't want to read them you can sign up for my make money blogging course at the unconventionalrdbb.com you can find the make money blogging course there and i go into extreme depth on how to be compliant with amazon associates program and correctly use their affiliate links another place that you can sign up to become affiliate is through programs like share a sale so share a sale is a website that you can go to you can sign up to be an affiliate And then once you're signed up, you can search their product database. So companies will go, will create their own accounts on ShareASale and be like, hey, I have XYZ affiliate program. We're looking for affiliates. And then you as the affiliate can search through all of the programs available and apply directly through ShareASale. And then ShareASale will keep track of all of your clicks and your sales and your your, um, money that you're owed and they will pay you out once you reach a certain threshold of sales. Um, So yeah, that can be a good place. I don't have a ton of um, affiliate links that go through ShareASale. I think because for a company themselves to use ShareASale, they have to pay a fee. So a lot of companies will just run their own affiliate programs rather than going through ShareASale so that they can keep more of the income. Um, But there are some like, I am an affiliate for Food Blogger Pro and their products, which is a membership site that teaches people how to create a food blog. 
Um, but yeah, they, and they have some ebooks and stuff and their affiliate links are through ShareASale. Um, but most of the other ones that I'm an affiliate for, like uh, website hosting or themes or plugins that I like for my website or email marketing services, they all run their own affiliate programs. So the third way is to connect with companies directly. So if there is a tool or a service or a product that you use all the time, go to that website, scroll down to the very bottom of the page, you know, in the footer area where there's all those links in like small print. And there's often something down there that will say like affiliates or affiliate login or affiliate application, affiliate dashboard, something like that. Anything with the word affiliate. Um, Click on that and it should bring you to a page where you can apply directly to be an affiliate with the company. And then they'll give you, a lot of times they'll have to approve you because big companies probably get a lot of spam through those links and those applications. So they'll just make sure that you're a real person. And then once you're approved, you'll have your login and you can log in directly through that company's website to get your affiliate link and track all your clicks and your sales and all that. And what can you be an affiliate for? Honestly, almost anything. So I recommend making a list of products and services that you already use and love. Things like continuing education opportunities, like are there online courses or or books or something like that that you've really loved? Maybe they have affiliate programs. Uh, business tools, online courses I mentioned, ebooks, anything sold on Amazon, even food products and things like that. Um, you, it depends on your niche, but anything that you're always recommending, there's a high likelihood that you can become an affiliate for it. And you can include affiliate links in blog posts, tutorials, resource pages. Um, Basically, I've found that when people first get into affiliate marketing, one of the biggest mistakes that they make is they're like really excited that they have this link to share and then they just throw up a social media post where they're like, oh my gosh, check out this tool. It's so cool. Here's my affiliate link. I'll earn money if you buy through this link. And like that doesn't really go over well. Like you're really unlikely to make sales in that way. So the more effective way to do affiliate marketing is to think about who is looking for information about this product or this service and is like right on the cusp of buying. So what would those people, for example, be typing into Google? So let's pretend I'm going to use an email marketing platform as an example. Let's say that I'm a huge fan, which is true. I'm a huge fan of the email platform ConvertKit. So let's say I want to create a blog post that includes my ConvertKit affiliate link, and I want to try to attract people to that blog post who are just about ready to potentially sign up for and purchase a ConvertKit account. Um, Writing an article based around purchase intent is probably the best thing I could do. So I would do a little bit of keyword research, which we'll talk about in upcoming episodes. But basically, you can use tools like SEMrush or Key Search or even something for free like Ubersuggest. Type in the word ConvertKit just to see what comes up. And I, actually, maybe I'll pull this up right now on my laptop and just see what comes up because that could give you some, some actual data. 
So let's see, I'm logging in right now. I use SEMrush, it's $99 a month, but it's like my favorite SEO tool. I will include a link to that um, for you guys in the show notes in case you wanna check it out. And I'll link to all the other ones I mentioned as well. Um, But basically you don't wanna get super specific. You just wanna type in kind of like the name of the thing that you wanna be an affiliate for. So I typed in ConvertKit and then I can see a list of all the things that people search for in Google that uses the word ConvertKit every month. And it'll tell me how many people are searching and how difficult the competition is to create a blog post around that topic. Um, So the most searched thing is just ConvertKit 18,000 times a month. But um, you wouldn't want to create a blog post just called ConvertKit because 99% of those people typing ConvertKit into Google are probably just trying to go to the ConvertKit website directly. So we want to get a little more specific. So the second most uh, searched term is ConvertKit pricing. Um, The third most searched term is ConvertKit versus MailChimp. Now that is a great opportunity. So I could write a blog post called ConvertKit versus MailChimp, maybe 2020 comparison or something like that. That is searched 720 times per month. But the people who are searching for that are probably about to buy, but they're just not sure which one they want to sign up for. So if I personally really strongly believe that ConvertKit is the best option for people, then I can create a whole blog post outlining the main differences between ConvertKit and MailChimp and why I think ConvertKit is the better choice and then include my affiliate link in there. And that's going to, well, First of all, I looked at the difficulty for that keyword and it's very low. So I have a high likelihood of getting on the first page of the Google search results, creating a blog post on that topic. And so when someone types in ConvertKit versus MailChimp in Google, there's a a high chance that they'll see my blog post and click on it. And then as they read it, if I do a really good job trying my very best to create the actual, actual best piece of content out there on the internet, on that topic, then they're going to be like, wow, this is so helpful. This is amazing. I love what this person has to say. Maybe they'll bookmark my page. Maybe they'll share it. Maybe they'll give me a backlink on their website. But most importantly, they're going to be like, okay, I follow this person's logic. I understand where they're going. I agree. ConvertKit is the best choice. They're already on your page. They're probably going to click on your affiliate link in that blog post to go to ConvertKit and buy, and then you are going to make a commission. Um, So let's pretend if it's searched 720 times per month, um, if you're in the first position on the first page of um, Google, you're going to expect about to get about 30% of those clicks. Um, of those searches will click on your first result. So that would be about 200 or so people coming to that blog post just for that keyword um, every single month. And then let's pretend I have maybe, I don't know, a 3% conversion rate because I tried really hard to make that a really good article. Then that would be, you know, maybe six people or so every single month that are signing up through my affiliate link and I'm earning a commission. And with ConvertKit, people pay monthly for that service and their commission is recurring. So if six people every single month sign up for a ConvertKit account and I get a percentage of that, I don't remember. Let me check what their commission rate is. Let's see. I don't know if I have it written down. 
I think it's about 30% or so. And the lowest price option that they have is 30 or $29 a month. So I'm making, you know, about $10 a month per person who signs up. So if I get six people the first month, that's $60 in recurring passive income that I'm getting just from recommending people to sign up for ConvertKit. Then the next month, six more people sign up. Now I'm making $120 per month. Then six more people sign up. I'm at $180, et cetera, et cetera. So you can see if I make a really good article and I update that year after year after year and people keep coming to it, like, yeah, some people will probably cancel their account, whatever. Um, but I'm going to be making consistent recurring passive income by serving my audience through that blog post. So that's an example of how you can use affiliate marketing in your content to make passive income. You can also make tutorials around a product. So um, maybe I could do like a ConvertKit tutorial on YouTube, for example, and include my affiliate link underneath that video. I could create a resources page on my website. So I could have just like a little um, page in my navigation bar that says resources or my favorite things or something like that. And if people click on that, you can list out all of your favorite resources um, in your niche and include affiliate links. Those don't do super well in terms of conversions, but it's a good place just to have all of your links and you could refer people back there periodically. Um, you can't include Amazon affiliate links in your emails, but for most other affiliate programs, like if you're working with a company directly, you totally can. So if you come across a cool new tool and you want to tell your people about it, you could send out an email promoting it, including your affiliate link, and you'll probably make some sales there. You can share on social media. You can mention things in your podcast and include the link in your show notes or maybe say a link out loud or say a special coupon code out loud that is attached to your affiliate link. Um, or, you know, in its most in-depth form, you can treat other people's products almost like your own and even do a full-on affiliate promotion. So my best example of that would be I'm an affiliate for the RD Entrepreneur Symposium, which is put on by Heather Neal every year. And for a very, very long time, almost two years, um, when I was running the Unconventional RD community, I didn't have a product of my own and I didn't really like, yeah, I didn't offer anything for sale for people. So the only thing that I ever promoted was my own talks at the RD Entrepreneur Symposium. So I had been a guest at that event for like the first five iterations of it, I believe. And every single time I spoke, I would say, hey guys, like if you want to hear me speak about XYZ topic, sign up for this symposium. Like you get continuing education units, you get to hear and learn from me and also like 12 other amazing dietitians, et cetera, et cetera. And I would sell, you know, I think my best, um, my best round of it, I think I sold like 70 um, affiliate uh, signups. So that was really, really lucrative um, at the time. Um, yeah, so it can be, it can be a legit income stream. Other people will do this too, like bigger marketers, like, um, I don't know, I'm just making this up, but like Amy Porterfield, for example, she's like a really big online digital marketing guru, I guess you could say. And um, she'll do occasionally do affiliate promotions as well, where if she really believes in another online business's offer, she will promote it almost as if it's her own product 
to her audience and give special bonuses when people sign up. And then she earns a commission on those sales. So pros of affiliate marketing, the number one, honestly, you don't have to spend time creating a product. You're just recommending things that you love to your audience and earning money. You don't have to do customer service. It's quick, relatively easy to set up, low barrier to entry, and it gets people used to purchasing from you and taking your recommendations, clicking on your links and taking action. So when you are ready to launch your own product, people are kind of ready and waiting for you to launch your own thing. The cons, um, it does work best if you have trust with your audience. So your relationship with your audience matters here. If you don't have an audience or you don't have a connection with your people, they're very less, they're far less likely um, to actually take your recommendation. People don't like to be sold to. So if it feels like you're just like popping out of nowhere, being like, hey, click on this link, buy this thing, um, that's not going to land in the same way as you actually creating some really amazingly helpful piece of content that just happens to also include your affiliate link and sharing that with your audience. Um, It does kind of have a slimy reputation from the past because people saw dollar signs and got really spammy with it. As a business owner, it's very important that you only recommend things that you believe in because as soon as you start, you know, foregoing your morals and your beliefs for dollar signs, um, that erodes the trust that you have with your audience and it's very difficult to get back. So make sure that you're only recommending things you wholeheartedly believe in. And again, read the rules for each agreement, especially for Amazon, because they're all slightly different and have different restrictions. And you don't want to accidentally get kicked out um, just because you didn't read it. Um, So just to give you some some, um, idea of how much money you can make from this, for my Functional Nutrition Answers blog, which right now is getting around 15,000 sessions a month in traffic, I did get hit by a recent Google algorithm update. Well, not recent. It happened in like July of 2019. I'm just now rebounding from that. So, um, but that website is bringing in about $200 a month just from Amazon affiliate links, which is great. I mean, I write the, or I don't even write it. I have a freelance writer that I pay to write most of those articles. And then um, I just continually make, you know, at least $100, even when I got hit by the algorithm update. I was still making at least $100, if not $200 a month in passive recurring income when people go visit my articles and click on my Amazon affiliate links. And then um, in the last like 12 months or so, I've made about $12,000, $12,500 or so in affiliate income just by promoting other people's products. So that includes um, the RD Entrepreneur Symposium and affiliate links on my website and in my courses and that I share in my Facebook group. So I think affiliate income is really appropriate for anyone. You can start at any level of blogging or online business presence, but just note that there is like a level of audience size that (laughs) plays a role in this. Your earnings will likely increase as your following grows. Some affiliate networks even require a minimum following size to accept you. So just be aware of that. Um, But if you do it correctly, it can be a really wonderful, relatively easy to start passive income stream before you even have a product of your own. Income stream number two is ad revenue. 
And ad revenue is money that you can earn from displaying advertisements on your website. And you're paid based on impressions, so just people viewing the ads, and clicks. So usually you get a little bonus if someone actually clicks on the link. It's usually coordinated through an ad network. So it's not like you're directly connecting with the brand and being like, hey, do you want to put an ad on my site? Like, no, it doesn't really work like that anymore, although it used to. Now people sign up for ad networks like Google AdSense or Mediavine or AdThrive, and they act as kind of the go-between between bloggers and advertisers. So they coordinate the placement of the ads and your payment. And it's usually free to join these ad networks, but some of them will require um a certain level of traffic for you to get in. And then the way they get paid is they're really taking a cut on your advertisement earnings. Uh, And sometimes as your audience size grows, um, they will take less and less and less of a cut. So they'll be paying relatively more in the beginning. And then as you grow, your percentage that you pay the company goes down. So that's how that works. Um, To get started, you could start at any time by putting Google AdSense ads on your blog. it's There's no minimum traffic requirements, but at the same time, it slows down your website a little bit because you're putting extra code that has to load every time someone visits your site. And you're only probably going to be making tens to maybe hundreds of dollars per month. So the amount of money that you're, you're earning when you don't have a lot of traffic to your website may not be worth the decrease in the user experience on your website. So my personal recommendation and what a lot of bloggers do is they just don't put any ads on their website until they've hit the 25,000 sessions per month mark, which is what is required to be eligible to apply for a company called Mediavine. And typically, you know, 15 to maybe $30 per 1,000 sessions is what you can expect to make once you're in an ad network. So if you're getting 25,000 sessions, which is the minimum you need to apply, and you're making $15 per 1,000 sessions, that's $375 per month that you can expect on the very low end to make from your blog. But you could make double that, maybe like $750, Um, if you, especially if you have video or you're just, you're very well optimized, um, for ads on your website. So that's just, um, some ballpark, but big, big websites, you know, they usually have hundreds of thousands of page views if you're really trying to blog full time. So what would that look like if you had, let's pretend you had 300,000 people coming to your website every month. And let's say you're right in the middle. Let's say you're making maybe like, $22 um, per 1,000 people, then that's $6,600 that you can make every single month in ad revenue just by being a blogger and creating content. And like, I don't know about you, but that's like a full-time salary. That's great. Um, So for some people, that is their entire business model. They are trying to pump out as much great content as possible. Ideally, that's optimized for search engines. Like this is how a lot of food bloggers make their money um, with the goal of reaching that minimum traffic requirement to get to be a part of Mediavine. And then they keep growing and growing and growing and earning more and more and more money as time goes on. It's definitely possible to make 
over six figures just in ad revenue from a food blog or any sort of popular blog that has display ads on it. It just is sort of a longer term game. It's not something that you're going to achieve in a few months. It's more like a few years. So the pros of using ads on your website, it's a very passive way to monetize. I mean, you're going to make this content regardless. And if you choose to put ads on it, then it's a way to get compensated for your time that doesn't really involve any extra work. Um, Your earnings will grow as your readership grows. And it's not really that big of a deal. Like a lot of people will be like, oh, like I'm so worried if I put an ad on, people are going to email me hate mail. Like, I can't believe you sold out. But I'm in enough blogging groups to know that that doesn't really happen. You maybe will get like one email, but people are just so used to ads. Like they're online, they're on TV, they're on the radio, they're in magazines. It's just a part of of consuming content for free. If you want to consume content for free, there's probably going to be ads because people need to make money (laughs) um, to create this content for you. The cons of using ads. Some business owners dislike the user experience, although you do have some control over that on the back end. So as the business owner, you can control how many ads are on your site and where they're displayed. Um, You have some control as well over what ads get displayed. So some people are worried, oh, what if I have a site about vegetarian meals? Like what if an ad gets displayed for like hamburger helper or something like that? And they're worried that there's going to be a disconnect there. Um, most ad companies or ad networks do give you the opportunity to kind of opt in or opt out of certain ad categories. So you, for example, if you're a vegan or vegetarian, you can make sure that no products for, you know, animal related things will be displayed on your site. So there is some level of control there. It, another con is that it does slow down your site speed. Site speed is a ranking factor for Google. So all things being equal, if you are exactly the same as another website, the faster website will get displayed higher in the search results. Um, So that's another reason why beginner bloggers, it may not be worth it for you to take that hit on your site speed if you're only earning pennies, you know? So you might as well forego the earnings in the beginning to get the following and then only put the ads on your site um, once it makes sense monetarily to do so. And as I said, um, you can definitely earn a good living from ad revenue. I will say it's a little risky. Like you don't want to put all of your eggs in one basket. If if your only income stream is ad revenue, you are very much at the whim of changes in algorithms, whether that's Google search algorithms, Pinterest algorithms, however you're getting the traffic to your website, there's always a risk that something could change and you could fall out of favor with that traffic source. And if that's the only way you make money, that puts your livelihood at risk when your traffic potentially decreases. Um, So I think diversification is important, but it's definitely a legit way to earn significant amount of money if your goal is to be a full-time blogger. Um, For example, I like to talk about um, Laura Clevenger's blog. She runs the Keto Queens and she's like, I've never met her in real life, but I've just you know, become friends with her online. And I'm just like so inspired by her story. We both were blogging around the same time, but she ended up niching down and creating a keto blog that eventually about 1.5 years after she niched down was making more than $10,000 per month in ad revenue. 
currently getting over a million page views per month. So like, what? <laughs> like that is so insane and amazing. She's now traveling the country in a sprinter van and blogging 100% remotely. And that's her full-time job. Like what? I'm, I'm, I promise like I'm going to try my best to get her on this podcast in the future to share her story because it's so, so cool. Um, another blogger that I admired and followed for a long time, a lot, mostly because of their transparency and their helpfulness, was Pinch of Yum. They also are the people who created Food Blogger Pro, which is sort of like a membership site and a podcast um, to help bloggers grow food blogs and monetize them. Um, but they've been blogging for a really long time. They were around even when I started my first attempt at food blogging back in 2011. Um, and they were sharing public income reports, which was super inspiring to me and helped me see that, yes, online business can be a real viable thing. So they started putting ads on their site when they had about 40,000 page views per month. I think they were just using Google AdSense at the time, probably not optimized in the same way that you could today because things have advanced a lot since then. And they made $21 in ad revenue their first month. But five years later, they're getting 5 million page views per month and earning $40,000 per month in ad revenue. Like, whoa, that is legit, right? So um, just putting it out there that this is a legit revenue stream for a lot of people. I think it's best for intermediate bloggers. So I recommend not putting ads on your site until you've reached that 25,000 sessions per month mark um, and then growing from there. The third revenue stream is sponsored content. So sponsored content is getting paid to create content that features a company's product. So for example, if you're a recipe blogger, maybe you create recipes featuring specific food products like a pasta brand or something like that. If you're a travel blogger, maybe you create blog posts featuring hotels that you're you're staying at. Um, if you are a, a, tra a travel or a food blogger, um, you can get sponsored by travel boards or food boards to go to specific geographic regions um, or to talk about things like, I don't know, like Wisconsin cheese or Idaho potatoes or something like that. Um, sometimes those food boards are looking for influencers to pay to fly out and maybe do like a tour of a farm or something like that in exchange for, and they'll pay you in exchange for you to create content around that and spread the word. Um, or even something like pairing up with a supplement company, perhaps, and creating content around your favorite omega-3 supplement, or I don't know. Um, it's a little trickier there. There's a lot more nuance with pairing up with a supplement company because there's a lot more restrictions in terms of claims and things that you're allowed to say, and you need to be in alignment with those as a blogger even, even though it's not your product. Um, but there's just a lot of opportunities. I would say this is very, very, very common in the food blogger and the travel blogger space, and also in like the mommy blogger and the fashion blogger space. Um, so, you know, it really depends on your niche, but there's lots of opportunity to pair up with brands. Brands are now coming around really and understanding the value of micro-influencers. So people who don't necessarily have hundreds of thousands of followers, but maybe they have you know, 10,000 followers and they're really, really engaged. Like these people genuinely know, like, and trust you and listen to your recommendations. Sometimes having someone with a smaller, more engaged following 
will lead to more connection and trust and sales than someone with a million followers just doing a random shout out. You know what I mean? Um, so don't count yourself out even if you're, you're following a small for this revenue stream. So the pros of sponsored content, you can get paid to create content featuring brands you love. Maybe you already create content featuring brands you love, so you might as well reach out and see if there's a potential to form a connection there so that you can get paid to do so. Of course, you need to, to um, disclose that you're getting paid. Uh, that's not optional. Um, but personally, I don't take, like some people are worried like, oh, if I'm getting paid to create this content, it's going to maybe reduce the value of it to my audience. But I don't really feel that way. I feel like if I'm following a certain food blogger, for example, and they're creating sponsored content with a certain cheese brand or whatever, like I'm still there for the recipe. I don't really care what brand of cheese you're using. Like good for you to get paid to create this content for me for free that I'm just downloading off of the internet. I'm more than happy to support your work with other brands to continue this platform and to keep it viable so that I can enjoy it for free. Um, Sponsored content can integrate relatively seamlessly into your regular posts. The idea isn't to do a 180. Like you don't, if you run a food blog, you're not suddenly going to have a post about purple mattresses or something like that. Like you need to keep it on brand. Um, But if you do keep it on brand, like if you're just continuing to put out recipes, but now featuring certain products as special um, featured ingredients in your post, that integrates very seamlessly and doesn't really disrupt the user experience. And it typically pays very well. The cons of sponsored content, again, you should turn down offers from companies that don't align with your platform, no matter what they're offering you. If it doesn't align with your audience and something that they genuinely might enjoy and be interested in, it's probably not a good fit. Um, Another con uh as people are trying to get into influencer marketing more and more um there's a lot of companies out there that are trying to get people to do work in exchange for free product or quote unquote exposure so you might get lowballed a lot or offered work for free product a lot and that's totally okay to say no to um you're, you should not be expected to work for product or for free um you know always stand your ground and hold your worth um really think hard about whether you want to work with a company for free before you do it. I'm not saying that there's never an opportunity that's appropriate to do so, but um, don't think that your value, don't underestimate your value, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Don't think that you have to do a certain number of campaigns for free or for free product before you're worth charging money for. That's not true. Um, Some content creators just don't do sponsored content because they don't want any affiliations to sort of cloud their recommendations. Like, um, for example, with my nutrition-related blog, I probably would never do sponsored content on that blog because I don't like to be tied to recommending like one company's supplements, for example. I recommend um, products from all sorts of different lines depending on what's in the product and what I'm trying to achieve with that recommendation. So. Um, I wouldn't want financial relationships with companies to sort of cloud that advice. So that's something to think about too. 
And you do need to consider your future opportunities and relationships. Like, for example, if you do sponsored content for almond butter, you maybe might be shooting yourself in the foot for a potential opportunity to do, I don't know, sponsored content with Cashew Butter Company because they are in competition with the Almond Butter Company and they're not happy that you're promoting their competitor on your website so they maybe wouldn't want to work with you or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, so make sure that you're, when you're, when you're agreeing to do a sponsored post and promote a certain company that you are thinking about how that's going to potentially impact your future opportunities or relationships. And probably one of the biggest cons that people bring up themselves is that freaking pitching yourself to companies can be scary. You have to put yourself out there and you have to connect with these companies and pitch yourself. You have to say why you're worth working with and what value you bring to the table. And some people are intimidated by that in the beginning. So how do you get started with sponsored content? Well, you can connect with brands directly or you can go through networks. So a network would be a company that basically has a bunch of brands sort of on deck that are looking for influencers to work with and you apply through the network with your platform and then they'll try to match you with campaigns that are a good fit. So, but then they take a cut. So the pay if you're going through a network is often dramatically lower than if you're working with a brand directly. So some networks people will that people will start out with include Social Fabric, Linkia, Ahology, Acorn, Wellovation HQ, or even Babelbox. So you could check those out. I'll link to them in the show notes in case you want to check them out. I've only done one sponsored post on my food blog right before I shut it down. Actually, my last post before I stopped blogging was my first sponsored post. And I think I was getting, I don't know, just over 10,000 sessions a month um, on my website. And this was a campaign through Linkia, which is one of the lower paying um, options. But basically, they'll pay you to, they'll send you free product or a coupon for free product. And then you create the blog post featuring the product. And then they'll say, oh, we'll pay you X amount if you're able to get this many clicks on the link in your blog post. And then if you go past that number, you don't make any more money. If you don't hit that number, you make less money. But if you surpass the goal, then the next campaign that they offer you will be a higher number of clicks and a higher payment. At least that's how it worked years ago. I think it's been like two years now since I did that campaign. But that was a campaign with True Roots Quinoa, which was a great fit for my blog and a product that I actually personally bought already all the time. Um, and I used quinoa in my recipes quite often. So I was like, shoot, I'm going to apply. And I got it and I did it. I think I made, I don't remember, maybe like 100 bucks, which was very low, honestly, for sponsored content. But at the time, I was just stoked that I was making any money on my blog. So if that's you, no shame, honestly. If you want to check out these these networks and get some of these opportunities to get some examples under your belt, and then maybe that will give you the confidence to pitch products directly. So how much can you earn from these sponsored content opportunities? Well, you know, it depends on your following, your credentials, your authority, your influence, and most importantly, your connection with your audience. So will the recommendations that you make to your audience 
actually be followed through upon. <laughs> um, you need to think about who's retaining the rights to the content that you're creating, how long it's going to remain up. Like a blog post, for example, is up on your website forever. So that has value. Like people will potentially find that content through something like a Google search forever and you'll be promoting that, that company's product in perpetuity on your website. In contrast, if you're just posting on social media, for example, the life the lifetime basically of that post is a lot shorter. Um, you can get paid more if you do higher end things like fancy photos, like food bloggers will often include photos of the product in their blog post. If you do videos or recipes, obviously that's higher value. And then it's important to think about whether they expect you to do social shares and things like that to promote the post after you create it. So as I mentioned on the very low end, I mean, I got like $100 for my post, but it's not uncommon for dietitians to get at least a thousand, if not multiple thousands of dollars per blog post that they create featuring a company's product. So don't sell yourself short. Just for some examples that I found, um, it's not as popular anymore, but income reports used to be like all the rage. Like, and I have my own income reports if you want to check them out, although I'm, I'm kind of behind. Uh, if you go to the unconventionalrd.com and then go to the blog section, you can find them there. Um, but people will share online like how much money they make from sponsored content. Um, Pinch of Yum, that giant food blog that I mentioned earlier that's getting like millions of page views every month. Um, they, in December of 2018, which was the last income report that they created, they shut them down after that. They made $22,000 that month from sponsored content. And yes, that's in addition to the $40,000 that they made from ad revenue. So they are doing very, very well as a blog. Like It's a husband and wife team, basically. But they're doing very, very well from their ad revenue and their sponsored content. But there's also a lot of opportunity for smaller people. Um, like I found one blogger, The Girl on Bloor. Um, and in January 2017, she was getting just 56,000 page views per month. And she was posting three times a week. And half of her posts were sponsored. And she made $8,500 that month from sponsored recipe posts, including video. Um, and that's a great income. I would be thrilled with that. And honestly, it's not that hard to get 56,000 page views. Like you could get there. I mean, if you're posting three times a week, I think you could get there in maybe a little over a year if you really know what you're doing. So who is sponsored content best for? It's best for bloggers with a genuine audience because the connection really matters here. Um, helpful if you have credentials to lend some authority to your recommendations. It's it works best for people with a tight niche because you know typically if you're niche if you're very niched down, you have a very targeted community and following um, that really takes your recommendations seriously. But alternatively, people and companies are also looking for people with very large followings, even if they are less niched because. Sometimes it's just all about the numbers and the exposure. Um, so if you want more guidance on rates and how to pitch, that is something that I cover in depth in my Make Money blogging course that you can check out at the unconventionalrdbb.com. Um, I cover all three of those revenue streams that we talked about today in that course. And I have a private Facebook community as well where people are 
always checking in every single day, asking questions, and I prioritize my engagement there. Um, so I answer typically same day to any question. It's a great way to get direct feedback and um, help from me. So yeah, thank you guys. That Those are the first three ways to make money blogging. And then in the next episode, we're going to cover digital goods, online courses, and membership sites. So I look forward to hanging out with you guys in that next episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button so that you can get notified of all of the future amazing episodes that will be coming out every week.